0: We've been talking about the last couple of weeks about externalizing God in our internal relationship and trying to pull it out into the external world and say, look, God, look what I did for you. Look what I've done. I've done this. And um, that song, that song that was just on, says, see what God has done. He's not looking to see what we're doing. He's looking to see. He looks at our heart. He looks beyond our external, our our um, our actions and looks at the heart because Jesus even said, he goes, there's, there's going to be a, day, a time where they stand before God and they say, have we not done this? Have we not done this? And and he's basically going to say, your, your actions did nothing because you didn't know me. And I think so many times we, we and uh, we were ha- I was having a discussion with Sarah on the way home last night, and I was talking about, it, we get into that mindset sometimes. We don't even realize what, that we're doing that. And you know, we've been talking about a lot of different things in the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked about our, our devotional life. You know, it's like, you know, we have this, we get this one scripture that says, early in the morning I will rise and I will, and I will, I don't get up early, just to let you know. And, um, and if I do, I take a three hour nap when I, when, when I get home. I mean, and, and it's like, there's some people when we get up in the morning, we are worthless until like 10 or 11 a.m. And for some of you, you might be all the way through your day by that time. And and some of us, you know, for me to get up at five a.m. or six a.m. and try to pray and do devotions, I'd be sleep. I'd be at the table or on the couch sleeping. Because, and then Sarah would have to wake me up because she'd be like, "Are you going to go back to bed?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going back to bed." Um, but so many times we get into that mindset of of this is how we do it. And, and a lot of times we judge ourselves and we look at ourselves and say, "Well." The, the preacher does this. Well, you don't have to do that because I don't get up that early. And um, I'm one of those guys that will be up till 1 a.m. doing stuff, but I'm not going to be the one getting up at 5 a.m. to, to do my devotions. But um, so many times we judge ourselves against people who have a full-time job in the ministry. And they say, well, look, they read their Bible a half hour in the morning, a half hour at night, and they get to do this and they do all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? We live normal lives. We don't live in, in a a world where we do ministry all the time or, or we're paid to be a, 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 a leader or a pastor or one of those positions and we can't judge ourselves by looking at other people. You know, we can watch the, TV, the guy on TV and he says, I do this and this and this, and that's great because that's his job. His job is to lead us and to give us and help us understand those things. But so many times we, we get in that mindset, I have to do this to, in order to, to be a good Christian, and It's not even to please God. It's just we like. Well, I need to do my devotions this many minutes a day because that's what I do. Because we're, I'm a Christian and I ha- and I have to do this. It's not. We're not even sometimes in that mindset of pleasing God. It's just getting that routine of, I'm a Christian and I have to do my devotions in the morning. I have to say my prayers at night and, and, um, I have to, you know, spend family devotion time. And we have to, we have to say our eloquent five minute prayer at dinner and thank the Lord for every, you know, carrot that's on the table and, and every, and every, you know, potato that we don't choke on it and it goes down right. And, and it digests right. And, and we, we, I, you know, you guys are laughing at this, but we, sometimes we get into that mindset where we have to we have to say Father God at least six times and God at least and Jesus a couple times in our prayers in order for, order for him to hear us. And it's not true. And, But we, we've, we've tried to get these eloquent things to come out of our mouth in order to please God and to say, man, God's like, man, that was good. I'm totally going to listen to them a little bit more now. He doesn't work that way. God doesn't say, well, that one was really eloquent and this one was just like, God, help me. I need your help. He doesn't look at that one and go, well, you know, they're a little more wordy. They use more adverbs and, and, and some really big words, so I'm going to listen to him. And the person who was just crying out for God for, for help, I'm not going to listen because they, they really weren't using the, the, the certain adverbs and verbs and conjunctions that I, use, I have to have in order to, to um, turn my face towards you. And, and we get into that mindset of, oh, I've got to read my Bible this much and I've got to have devotions this much. And it's like, man, God just wants that time with you. I'm sorry, but my, most of my time with God, I can't read the Bible when I'm with God because if I'm reading the Bible, that means I'm going off the road. I'm driving. I have an hour drive, so I spend that time with God. I'm worshiping, I'm praying, I'm, and I'm praying with my eyes open, don't worry. And, but for me to be able to read the Bible and drive to work is not a good thing, and I don't think the people on the road would want me to do that. Um, so we have to think about our relationship with God as a, as a relationship of Him not wanting us to do anything in order to make that relationship perfect. He, and, and, don't, and don't mistake me for not doing anything. What I'm saying is this, is he doesn't need us to take what we have on the inside and turn it on the outside and say, well, I've got to do this and I have to do this and, and if I don't say this r- right and if I don't do my devotions and I don't read my Bible and I don't pray for 10 minutes, I'm not going to get what God wants me to do and I'm not going to have that, that close relationship with him. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I'm saying that when you have a chance to read your Bible and when you have that time to pray. You don't have to do it in the morning. You don't have to do it in the evening. It's whatever works for you. But we, have, we sometimes get so focused on doing what we think we should do because we think that God is going to have a, a more favorable view of us when we get done with that. You know, um, a lot of times we can... We can read through the Bible in a year. A friend of ours had to read through the Bible in a year, and, and, um, and it, it was really cool. But we have to read the Word and read the Word so we understand it. Because if you read five chapters, you may read five chapters and go, man, that was great. But sometimes God will have you focus on something and say, you know, I want you to read so you understand me. I want you to read this so you understand my heart, not so you're pleasing me by reading this or doing something to to." make it more of a, a leg up or you get an extra you know, gold star on your chart with God. When we get into that mindset of, I've got to be at every service, I've got, to, I've got to read this much and I've got to pray this much and I've got to do this, we get ourselves into a religious mindset that says, I have to do something in order for God to be part of my life. What's funny is, is this, is when we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, we accept him into our heart, but then we take what's in our heart and we have to go out, and sometimes we don't even realize that we do external things in order to make that internal thing worth something. And and Jesus said, I, I, I've, he, if, he could, if you could talk to him right now, he'd say, I don't care what you do on the external, I care what you do on the internal. He's sitting there talking to the Samaritan woman, and he says, "You know, she's like, well, they say to worship here, and we, and we say we need to worship here." And he's like, "You know, there's going to be a time where my 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 children, my people worship me in spirit and in truth." So, you know, we we get in that mindset of of I have to, you know, I have to raise my hands, or I have to do the one hand, and do the two hand, do this, I do this, I do this, I do the uh, the, the 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 this, I do this, and and it's like. It's an external thing from an internal focus. And don't get me wrong, when we raise our hands, there's nothing wrong with that because there's sometimes that in our spirit that we have to physically do something to get out what, what our joy is and our, our love for God is. But when we all get into that mindset of, well, I have to raise my hands because everybody else is doing it. If you think that way, don't think that way. I'm, re- I'm saying I'm releasing you from actually, you know, if you don't feel like you need to raise your hands, don't raise your hands. You know, I look, I look at somebody who, who is a paraplegic, and they can't raise their hands. But does God see them or view them as worship any different? No, he doesn't. He sees them as saying, you know what, they're worshiping me in their heart, because the heart comes out in a physical action sometimes. There's times where I'll be worshiping, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm standing there, I'm raising my hands, sometimes I'm in the back, sometimes I'm kneeling but it's all an, an external thing. But it's, I, I know when I'm doing that, it doesn't make God happier. It doesn't make God look at him and go, man, they're worshiping really hardcore right now and they're, break, uh, they're breaking a sweat here. He doesn't see that any, any more than the person who is standing there, arms down to their side, maybe not even singing the words, but in their heart, he is hearing them and he is listening to them and they are crying out for more of his spirit, crying out for more of who he is and he sees that because, you know what, it's not about here, it's not about there, it's about what's in here that worships God. You know, so many times we we get raised in ideas and, and, and different mindsets and different ways of, of relating to God. And we relate to God through our spirit. That's how he connects with us. And external things are just a way of expressing it a lot of times. But God doesn't need external expressions to have that relationship with us. You know, we, from my experience, I've, I've done a lot of things, that's, and it's, you know, need comes into our life, or, or we have prayer request, and 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 so many times we we pray about it, and, and the Bible says, "Let your request be known," and we we need to make our request known to God. But there's so many times where. We make our requests known to God and when we don't immediately see it, we go to other people and say, I need you to pray with me for this because it's not happening and I need you to pray with me for this and you need to, put, you, you need to lay hands on me for this and you need to do this. And, and don't get me wrong, there are times where you come together in agreement and people come together in agreement for prayer with things, but we can't focus on having someone else pray with us. We can't focus on having someone else do this for us because God's, our relationship with God is, and someone else's relationship with God may not be the same, and they can't be the same, because each of us have a unique relationship with God that what it does is it takes and says, you know what, this is whoever, and this person and I have this relationship, and this person and I have this relationship, and they're all the same relationship but with dif- different characteristics in it. It's all a relationship of, of a father and a son and a father and a daughter, but it has different characteristics to it. It's like any one of our kids. They all have different personalities. They have different traits. And and he looks at that and he says, you know what? This is my son. This is my daughter. They all have different traits and we have have a different type of relationship. It's going to be the same core value of that relationship, but it's going to be a different relationship because the way they relate to me is not the same way that this person relates to me. And when we get into a pattern of, I have to do this and I have to do this, it, it, we, we bring ourselves from a New Testament people and bring ourselves into an Old Testament law. Saying, you know, I have freedom to worship Christ wherever I am. Wherever I go, Christ goes with me. Back into, I have to come to the tabernacle and I have to bring God, go to God for him to love me and to sacrifice to him so I know that I'm right with him. But as a New Testament people, we don't have to do that because Jesus has a sacrifice paid for it so he can live in us, not with us. If in in our lives, if Jesus could probably say one thing to us, he'd say, let me live in you. Don't, and let me live through you, but don't allow, don't try to let me you to live in me and do things to be in me. Because what he did allowed us to, what we what we do, everything Paul said was, everything we have is filthy rags compared to what Christ is. So when we look at God, we say, okay, God, I want you to live in me and I live in you. But God doesn't require work. He doesn't require like a punch a ticket or a punch a time clock and say, okay, I punched my time clock for, for 45 minutes this morning and, and I'm going to go back to living my normal life and then I got to get back in, I got to punch the time clock again and see God, I got my three and a half hours in or I got my 45 minutes in this week. He was. I want to live in you and let what I have, when you allow me to live in you, what is in you will flow out of you, not what you do allows me to go to you. If the people in the Old Testament could see the way we live, they'd be jealous. Think about this sacrifices, burnt offerings, different times of year, you always had to go and do things. If they could literally see the way that we have the, the grace and the, that has been given to us and the freedom that has been given to us, they would say, you have it way, 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 way much better than we do. Because they lived under a mindset of, I have to get, take a sacrifice and I have to take this and, and I, have to, I have to go to the priest and the priest has to take it to God for me And Jesus finished it once and for all and said, you know what, this is it. This is, I'm going to take it to God once and for all so you don't have to go to God. He can live in you instead of you. You are the tabernacle instead of you going to the tabernacle. Letting God live in you is so much better than trying to to live in God. I'm going to use this as a allowing God to live in you is this, is God comes into your home and says, I'm going to make my residence here. But you trying to live in God is you walking around the outside of the house looking for an open window, like a burglar trying to sneak into God, saying, well, if I, if I can figure out a way to get in here and if I can try to do this and maybe I can climb through the chimney and not get stuck in or maybe I can find a hole, you know, a window in the basement that I can crawl, climb into God's house and I'll do that. God's just saying, let me live in you. Open your doors to me, allow me to live in you, and quit trying to figure out a way into me. Because what we do is we, 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 when we try to get into God's house, we're, we're lo- there's an, always an action involved to get in there. And the action was already taken care of by Jesus. The, the action of, of death, burial, resurrection being an atonement for us was already done by Jesus so we don't have to go around God's house and say, okay, where's a window? Can I climb up the lattice? Can I get in here? How do I get in here? It's like a, it's like a burglar trying to break into God's house and say, I'm not uh, able to get into your house. I'm not, I'm breaking into your house because I'm not good enough to get into your house. So there's always an action required in, in, the, in a mindset of the law. There's always an action required to get into God's house. But in a, in a, in a a New Testament church and a New Testament believer—we just open our doors and say, "Come on in. Come on into my house. Let me entertain you. Let me let let me prepare a place for you." How much how how much easier is it for us to open the door and say, "Hey, come on in," than it is to try to break into somebody's house? If we try to go into his house when we haven't had the right steps to do it, it's breaking and entering. And Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except for me. So we can't break into God's house by, do, by opening a window or finding a door then jiggling the handle and, and tweaking the handle to get in. We have to go to the Father through Jesus. So when we say, Jesus, come into my life, make your make my life, make my heart your home, he says, well... I'm gonna come in, and when I come in, you're allowing my father to come in. You know, for, for years and, and years the, the old testament believers lived by looking for signs and symbols and and different things that they could figure out how to get God to to show up. You know. There was always that that priest or that prophet or somebody that had to, to bring everybody back to God to remind them who God was. And it was an external thing. You know, Elijah and and the priest, and he's burning up the altar, and, and God's reminding them who he is, of how his power is, but they were always like, we need an external view of God so we can understand who he is. But that entire time, God was trying to give them an internal view of who he was, but they couldn't understand it because they had law after law and rule after rule to be part of God, to be living with God. They would camp around the tabernacle because they wanted to be next to God. They they had the the Ark of the Covenant and they, they couldn't touch it because it was it was so powerful that the that the presence of God dwelled in there and in the in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle they couldn't go into because the presence of God was there. And and it couldn't and they couldn't live In the presence of God. But Jesus said, I'm going to, God said, I'm going to send my son so they don't have to do rules. They don't have to camp around the tabernacle. I'm going to make their hearts the tabernacle. They can live, I can live in there and they will always be in my presence wherever they go. You know, a a lot of times we, uh, we, we go to church and it's like, man, the presence of God is here. Well, the presence of God is here because of us. Where we go, the presence of God is. You know, and, and we get looking at, we, we as New Testament believers refer to the Old Testament for too many things in our relationship with God. We, we look at the, the tithe and we're like, well, you know, if, if, I, don't, the, if I don't give my money to God, he's going to let the devourer come in and take all my money, take everything in my life and then my life's going to be miserable. It's like God sits there with like the little you know, the theater thing with the clip, and he says, okay, wait for it, wait for it. Nope, didn't drop anything. Go ahead, devour. Go into their life and, and, uh, and kill everything they have. Go ahead and kill, steal, and destroy. We refer to Job as, as like it's gospel, and well, God gives and he takes away. This was Job expressing himself, not him saying the characteristics of God. You know, we as believers, we spend more time focusing on the external stuff of God. Of if I don't give my my uh, my money is going to be cursed, and, and I'm gonna, you know, the curse of the law is going to be. I mean, I've heard people say, if I don't give my tithe, my 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 blessing is going to be cursed, and and if you don't give a, the ten percent of your money, the rest of your money is cursed. And I'm just thinking to myself, how miserable is that to to live in that existence? That we have to worry about thinking that God is going to curse all the rest of our 90% because we don't give our 10%. It's funny how we, we spend more time talking about financial things as New Testament believers, but we refer to the Old Testament for those financial things. It's like taking a financial plan from a company that went bankrupt and go, I think we should follow this. Because if I follow this, these rules seem really like they're going to work. But I think we're going to follow these, even though we have a plan that is completely working. We have grace. Grace grace allows us to, whether to tithe or not to tithe. That is a choice. But the tithe is is basically this. It's it's our father growing our character to, to see how much we love him. Not saying, if you don't give to me, I'm not going to love you. He's saying, I'm going to grow you so when you, I ask you to do other things, it'll be easy for you to do. And a lot of times we, I, I've found this in my life, sometimes it's hard to hear from God. Sometimes we get in seasons where it's like, man, I got, I, I just, I'm struggling to hear from God. Or it's, something's just not working. And we can get, uh, we can get hung up on looking, and looking for God's leading and in, in, in external things. You know we wait for something or someone to tell us what God wants for our lives you know we go we go chasing prophetic words around because we want to hear from God and it's God's like, "I'm living in you it's not i mean you guys ever had those internal thoughts that come out, and you probably shouldn't have said them yeah, um yeah, I do that a lot um and um sometimes it gets me in trouble, especially with my wife um but we get hung up on looking for external things for the leading of God for our lives. And, and God's like, I live in you. You've, you've allowed me to make my home in your life. If I'm living in you, I'm, we're residing together. Can you not think it would be easy for you here? But we wait for a, a thus saith the Lord, or I have a word for you in your in your life to get us in in general directions of where god is has is, is been trying to tell us, and he 's been sitting next to us, going, "Hey, guess what? I want you to go this way. A leading from God should be a simple touch on the shoulder it shouldn't we shouldn 't have to go to look for a leading of God from people or for signs it's like, well, you know, if I see this and I see three of these and I see." You know, uh, uh, six geese flying in a V into the the northeast. Then I know God's gonna lead me in this direction. Or, you know, and it, but we look for that. We look for signs and symbols for God to lead us, and He's just like it's a. Again, it's the Old Testament saying to the New Testament. Oh, by the way, you gotta have to, you have to you have to refer to us. But the Holy Spirit leads us. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us by nudges gentle leading, but we we spend so much time looking for the external of God and saying, well, God, I need to have this sign and I need to see three red cars in the next two minutes and they all need to be convertibles and then I know you need me to go fill up at this gas station instead of this gas station. We do things or get involved in activities and plans because we have not heard from the Lord. A lot of times, you guys ever done that? You do something and you're like, "Man, I totally didn't hear from God, and I totally got involved in this, and totally dedicated my time to this, and it totally wasn't God." I've done it. I know we've all done it at one point. We get it's like, "Man, you get into it, and you're like, this is not. I'm not. I have no peace here. This is not where I should be. This is not what I should should be doing. I volunteered for this, and I know I shouldn't have volunteered for this. That was like me in children's church." My wife agrees. She's known me the longest. Don't put me in children's church. I'll be like, stop your crying. You need to hush right now. That's why I put people with grace for children's church in children's church. I'll be like, you need to quiet. And It could be a, a nine-month-old baby. You need to be quiet right now. I don't want to hear that right now. I, you know, I don't have the grace to do that. But there's times where I volunteered. I remember one time we volunteered and, um, for children's church. This is after our kids were a little bit you know, older. And... Um, and uh, we're, we're just like, we're talking to one of the, the leaders, wise, and, and um, Sarah's just like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And she's like, Oh, honey, it's okay. You don't have to do it anymore. And, um, and it was just funny because she, she understood that idea of God is going to give you grace to go through what you've volunteered for. You ever done that? You volunteer for something, or you, you know, even if it's like a couple hours a week and you're just like, I'm miserable doing this because either I guilted myself into doing it, somebody else guilted me into it, or I just felt like I was kind of obligated to help them out because, you know, I knew that person. We do activities and plans because we haven't consulted God. And we've not learned to hear from God who lives in us. We've learned to hear from God through what we want to see. We look for external things from an internal God. You know, we, we sing songs about God, we want you to show up, and it's like, he's like, hello, I showed up when you walked into the building. We say, well, God, we just want you to show up right now. Well, God's like, I'm here, I'm everywhere, I've been here, you just have to learn how to hear from me and receive from me. We look for confirmations for, through something in order to realize that God is here. And God's like, I am here. I'm present with you. When I live in you, I am here. My presence is with you. You know, um, I grew up in that generation of the uh, little bracelets that said uh, WWJD. And God's like, what would I do? I, you've been a Christian for like 15 years. How do you not know what I would do? You know, it was like, oh my gosh, should I turn left or should I turn right? What would Jesus do? You know, he, he lives in us. He, got, he, he, he directs us with his spirit, but we still have to look at an external bracelet and go, hmm. And, like, and we, like we look at the bracelet and go through the book, like what would Jesus do? Would he do this? Would he do this? And it's, it's silly, but Jesus is like, I've been living in you for like 25 years and you still don't know what I would do? He's like, just, just listen to me. But we, we look to external things. We don't have to ask, what would Jesus do? When he lives in us, when he guides us, when he lives in us, that should come natural to us. We shouldn't have to ask, well, what would Jesus do? This person's being really mean to me, and and what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And he's like, you, I'm, he goes, I, yeah, I, he probably has a few. Can you imagine? You know, like, what would Jesus do? God's up there. Hey, come here, look at this. Look what they're doing. They're still looking at that bracelet, wondering what I would do. <laughs> he lives in us, so we don't have to go around the church asking, hey, Ray, what would Jesus do? Uh, Sue, what would Jesus do? Sarah, what would Jesus do? Zach, what would Jesus do? we spend more time looking for a yes and a no of what would Jesus do in our lives than listening to, the, to what he's telling us to move on. It's like, you've been walking around this place for three hours asking what would Jesus do and you could have spent one minute and I would have been able to tell you where to go. We have the ability to hear from God in every situation without asking to get a word or advice from somebody in every situation of our life. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you don't go if, you're, if you have something that you need help with. I'm not saying don't go to someone and ask them for help with that. There's going to be times where in our lives where we may be struggling and we have, need someone to help us tune into God better. Or someone to say, you know what, I'm going to pray with you, and, we're going to, and you're going to hear from God, and we're going, to, we're going to help you with this. You know, there's always that WWJD, should I... You know, should I go to college? You know, should I buy this car? Should I stop and get gas now? Should I stop and get gas when I'm closer to empty? You know, should I get gas when the light comes on or should I wait the extra 20 minutes because I know I have it? You know, it's like, you know, there's so many times where we we look for uh, people to confirm something. Hey, I don't know, should I go to college? And you ask people to, to tell you if you should go to college or if you should buy this car or if you should go on this mission trip or you should go on this area and it's like we should just be able to say you know what I know where I need to go you know like it's like well I need to go to college you know somebody's telling me I need to go to college well you don't just pack up and go to college well someone said I should go to college you know somebody gives me a word says I see you at school and you're like oh, okay I'm just gonna go to school you don't just get up and, 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 and go you you Oh, you check it out. You say, oh, yeah, I like this. If it grows on you, you say, you know, what? I really see myself doing this. Or I can see myself being in this vocation. You don't just, you know, quit a job you've had for 20 years and go, I'm just going to be a waiter now, you know, and just go and just drop everything by, by on a whim because someone says, I saw you next to a table and there was food. And you're like, oh, I've got to be a waiter, you know. You have to have some common sense. You know, you don't get up in the morning, look at your WJD bracelet and go, what would you do, Jesus, when you're looking in the closet going, what would Jesus wear this morning? You know, we, we don't have to look for external signs to understand the things that we need to. God leads us. There, there's times where we don't hear from him. And then a couple weeks later, after we get out of a mess that we created for ourselves, we hear from him. But it's like, should I marry this person? I'm going to go around asking every married woman in the church, should I marry this person? Or should I take this job? That stuff should be an internal conversation with you and God. Again, advice, always great. But the leading should be from God. It should be the direction, the overall direction should be from God, not people directing your life or you looking for direction from other people in your life. We can go around and look for answers externally when we should be looking for them internally because the answers externally always make us happy at that moment. But a lot of times the answers we don't want to hear come from God. Like, no, you're not going to do this. Or, yes, you are going to do this. And there's times where people are like, you know what? Just whatever you feel like doing, if if that's where you're led. And God's like, I told you to do this. And you're like, I don't want to do this. And, And people are like... Well, or people are like you shouldn't do this, and God's like you're going to do this, and you're like, well, everybody tells me I shouldn't. And God's like, well, who's in charge? You know, there's this there's this weird myth about we shouldn't trust our hearts because you know Jeremiah seventeen nine, and I love this one because this is um, there was this um, big movement that always would, would uh, recite this verse, and it was Jeremiah seventeen nine, 9, and it says, the human heart is more dishonest than anything else. Don't trust your heart. You need, your heart is just corrupt, and it's, it's wrong. Don't trust your heart. But God's like, and, and we have New Testament believers saying this scripture to people, don't trust your heart, because you need to go to, to, to find out from this way or this way. And, and We're referring to Jeremiah, who is an old testament prophet that had an external relationship with God. And as believers, we're pulling an external relationship with God into an internal relationship with God, saying, You know what, you live in my heart, but I shouldn't trust my heart. Because I can't it's corrupt and it's it's wrong and my heart is corrupt above everything else, and God's like, No. I paid for your sins. I washed you white as snow i 've come into your heart, I live in your life. I live in your life because i 'm here to guide you. your heart is not corrupt, our flesh is corrupt, and that 's the reason why Paul says every day I die daily i I basically commit suicide in my of of my Flesh and say, you know what? I'm going to kill my flesh today and I'm going to allow my spirit to rule. Your heart is not deceitful. Your heart is not the most evil thing in you. I want you guys to understand this though, is I'm not saying don't go to people and ask them, um, not ask them for prayer. I'm saying to them, don't, Look for answers from other people. Look for your answers from God. Ask them to pray with you for a situation for that answer. If you guys ever walk up to us and ask us to pray with you, we will pray with you. If you don't have an answer of what you need, we're going to say, you know, we're going to pray with you so you will receive the answer you need. Not, we're going to pray and this is the answer we feel like is what you should do. Because what happens is this, is, Sarah had a situation when she came back last summer, and she, um, she, it was frogs. You guys remember the, the frogs everywhere? And, and she said, you know, I feel like this is this. And she, she sent the, 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 um, a friend of ours who is highly prophetic. She said, what do you think about this? She goes, first of all, I had to get rid of the, the idea of frogs because I hate them and they're creepy and they're everything like that. And I had to get past that human reaction to what, I saw in a frog which was slimy and gross and I had to get past that and to say, God, what do you want? Not my reaction to them, not my heart towards them, but what you were looking for, God, in that action. God will lead you in a decision. You don't need people around you to give you a, a thus saith the Lord or a... a... Uh, a uh, a word every time you need to go somewhere or do something. You know, think about this. It, it sounds really ridiculous, but you don't call up your best friend in the morning. Ricky doesn't call up Ryan in the morning and say, Ryan, what should I wear for, for to work today? Ryan would be like, Why are you calling me? Click. You know, we don't we we don't need to ask Jesus, Jesus, what would I wear to what would you wear today? He goes, I wouldn't be wearing any of that because you're a girl and you wear dresses. and you know. But Jesus wouldn't... We don't have to look towards external things to, to be led by God. He's made his home in us. We don't have to leave our home at night to sleep somewhere else. Think about this. We, we have that mindset that when we come to church, God is present with us. And then when we leave, he isn't. But you don't go to your house, and then go, you know what? Day's over with. I'm going to go somewhere else and sleep. And then I'm going to come back in the morning. When I show up, then, then it's morning. But when I, it's at night, then I've got to go find somewhere else to sleep. God is not that way. He shows up in our lives. He's in our lives. We don't say, well, you know, as soon as we lock the door and turn off the lights, God's like, oh, see you later. I'll see you next week. Jesus paid a price with his life so we could make our lives, our hearts, a home for him. He paid that price so we could invite him in. And to live with him, not next door to him, not across the street from him, but to live with him in the same house where we could meet with him, not go to meet him. We didn't have to go we don't have to go somewhere to meet God. We don't have to to drive 30 minutes and and go come into a certain building and go into a, the, the prayer room to meet with God. We can meet with God because he lives in us. What Jesus did on the cross was enough to pay for everything. It was enough to say, you know what? We don't have to have an external relationship with God in order to have a relationship with him. We don't have to say certain things, do certain things, have certain rituals or customs that we have to follow because this is how it is. We have a relationship with God because he, is in, he has asked us, he, he stands at the door and knocks. He's saying, hey, I'm here, by the way, hey, can I come in? And when we invite him in, it allows us to have peace, it allows us to have the leading of God and not have to go searching for it. What Jesus did was enough to settle the debt that we owed. If he's living in our lives, we can trust the leadings in our lives. We can trust the leadings in our heart because he's guiding us. Always seek wisdom confirm confirming, of it, but ask people with wisdom. And you, you can go, you know, I've had, we've had people come to us and say, I feel like I need to go here, here, and here. And it's like, well, what's God telling you? Well, he's telling me to go. And most of the time we're saying, if God's telling you to go and he's making a way for you to go, then go. But we can trust our hearts because if God is in our life, he's in our heart, that leading is going to be strong. We, we can sense that. This is where I'm coming from. God's saying, well, I want you to go here. I want you to do this. There's going to be times where God asks you to do stupid, crazy things. And you're like, you really want me to stop doing this or you want me to go do this? And you're, he's like, yeah. And you're just like, Okay. You you have no reservations about it. You have no there's not even a but god question. It's always just hey. Because the heart when it's connected with the father our heart when it is connected with the father, it is a receptacle and, and a, a way for us to receive a download from God, a way to receive information from god that when we're we're going through life we don't have to look at the bracelet and go what would you do up there you know and jesus is like not again you keep asking me this jesus is like my spirit lives in you just rely on the spirit for that leading god gives us wisdom don't doubt the wisdom that god gives you in your life when you're connected with him you're connected to the life source of wisdom when God was creating the earth, he says, wisdom was on the face of the earth. Wisdom is the Holy Spirit. And so if you're connected with God and you have the Holy Spirit, how much more wisdom can you get when you're connected with the one who created wisdom? So we don't have to continue to do outward expressions. You know, I w- we were driving home last night and uh, Mercy and, and Sarah and I were talking about how we get into that mindset of, well, I, I have to look a certain way and I have to dress a certain way and, I, and I, have to, I have to wear this to church because if I don't wear this to church, God thinks I'm a scumbag. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it, it was just a little something that Mercy and Sarah and I were talking about, but it was, it was something as simple as if you don't dress a certain way, God's going to think you're a scumbag. Or if you don't look this way when you walk into church, don't you know this is a church? God will not accept you unless you're dressed nice. That, that's that mindset that, you know, if I wear a nice uh, suit and tie and I wear some nice shoes, God's going to look at me and go, oh, man, they're dressed good. They must really, really love me. You know, that's the person that gets up in the morning, Jesus, what would you wear this morning? So our life doesn't have to be random things in order to to make that relationship with God to to do these deeds and do, well, you know, if I don't give and I don't do this and I don't say the right things and I don't have family devotions, if you come to our house, don't ever expect to see my kids uh, do family devotions with us. I'll sit down and they, my kids will go and read the Bible on their own. We don't sit down as a family and go, well, you're going to read, we're going to read these three chapters out of Lamentations and then we're going to discuss this for four hours and until you're ready for bed. If you've never met my kids, they'd probably just get up and laugh and go, right, Dad, whatever, and shut, and you walk away from the table. But we don't, you don't have to do those things in order to, to be right with God and to, to build that relationship with God. It doesn't have to be a, um, a four-hour Bible study on a Wednesday afternoon with your kids around the dinner table. It doesn't have to be external things in order for God to, to, have, to shine his face on us. It's strictly our relationship that comes from a loving relationship from our heart to his heart. Let's pray.